This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Now, it's uh, getting to the sharp end of the battle for the Conservative uh, leadership. And I want to speak to John Tong, who's a professor of politics at the University of Liverpool and a regular commentator here on the programme. John, good morning. Good morning, Frank. So much over the weekend with regards to who the main player might be in the end. There are some serious contenders uh, for this. Do, do you get a sense that Michael Gove is now at a considerable disadvantage because of his drugs admission? Or, that, and I should emphasise his drugs admission from way back, the best part of 20 years ago when he was a journalist. But could you have a Prime Minister who had taken cocaine? I think Michael Gove has virtually ruled himself out. Uh, I think that he gambled that uh, coming clean about taking drugs 20 years ago uh, would, first of all, preempt a newspaper story that was going to be run uh, about that saga. Uh, Secondly, that the public is much more tolerant uh, of episodes in one's relative youth. And remember, he was was 30 years old when he he admitted to to taking cocaine. This was not, you know, some sort of teenage or uh, very early adulthood uh, phase. and I think also he's gambled that he wouldn't lose any of his potential backers. Well, he's in trouble on, on all those counts. Perhaps the, the worst blow of all was not so much the omission of drug taking, but the fact that Amber Rudd, for example, has, has indicated she's going to support um, Jeremy Hunt and exactly the sort of person that Michael Gove was looking for uh, for support. Uh, and his interview yesterday uh, on, on TV, his, his showpiece interview, was, was not altogether convincing. Uh, some pretty tough questioning about whether he should have gone to prison. You've also had one of his rival contenders, Sajid Javid, effectively putting the boot in, um, talking about the, the hypocrisy of middle-class uh, drug users. So really, it has backfired horribly. And whereas I thought, you know, a week ago, Michael Gove was in with a great chance. Um, he appeals to lots of different constituencies, and he's not too fixed uh, in either the Remain or, or the Leave camp in terms of Brexit. I think that his chance now is greatly diminished. Not completely written off. He, he could hang on in there, and, you know, uh, the, the, the saga or the, the Ferrari over the drug taking could fade, but he's in a difficult position. If you're a former marijuana enjoyer, could you become Prime Minister? I think, I mean, we've got to be realistic about this. I think that a lot of people, uh, including, you know, senior politicians, have taken drugs or done some crazy things in, in their youth. I think the problem for Michael Gove uh, was much more that he was writing. These were not the follies of university where people were experimenting with all sorts of things. And frankly, you know, who cares really that Andrea Leadsom, for example, took weed uh, whilst at university? Is anyone seriously out there that that bothered? People do 
you know, extraordinary things at university is an experimental time. I think the problem for Michael Gove was that he was writing columns in, in the Daily Mail and, and other papers denouncing uh, the hypocrisy of those middle-class drug users who uh, want to see those supplying drugs banged up, put in prison. And yet at the same time, he was, um, you know, engaging in that habit himself. That's where the, the problem lies for Michael Gove, is the, the politics of it. And obviously, there, you know, there are implications. He, he you know, he denies that he's, he's lied to get into the United States, but questions are asked on, on um, visas about your, your drug use. Uh, and cocaine is obviously a, a level above in terms of drug use than, you know, smoking pot, having, having cannabis experimenting with, you know, a, a cannabis reef without getting bogged down in, in details of, of drugs. So I think he's in a very, very difficult position. Um, he won't be the only contender, though, to fall by the wayside. There are too many contenders still, even though we've had a couple of dropouts like Kit Malthouse. And, and I think the field will be thinned out uh, pretty quickly. It's rather like going over the first few fences at Aintree. There's not, um, you know... Um, it's quite a high attrition rate in terms of candidates, I think. So by five o'clock today, I'd expect probably a couple of withdrawals. There might be, of course, a couple of surprise new entrants. And then with the, with the change to the rules, the candidates will be, will be thinned out pretty quickly. The, the whole thing has to be done quickly anyway to get to the final two, to allow time for hustings then, for them to, the final two candidates to put their case to the members who will have the ultimate say on who is next leader. Because your average Conservative Party member, it should be said, the average age of them is uh, 57. So uh, they may be, you know, less relaxed about drug taking uh, amongst the, the candidates than perhaps, you know, a, a younger generation. Although I wouldn't overstate that. Going by what Michael Gove was saying about the union, he seems to be a real friend of the, the DUP. Could, quietly, would the DUP be sort of hoping, oh, we don't want to be associated with a guy who took cocaine? Or would they be thinking he's the best man for our job? I agree. He was close to the DUP, perhaps not as close as Boris Johnson, given that Boris Johnson spoke at the DUP conference uh, last year. But Michael Gove probably would have been the second choice, I think, of the DUP. And in some ways, politically, overall, Michael Gove would have been the DUP's preferred candidate. Why? Because you know, Michael Gove was on the same page as the DUP, unusually amongst uh, UK politicians, in terms of the Good Friday Agreement. He questions what well, he would term the Belfast Agreement. He questioned the wisdom of it, thought it was pandering to uh, a Sinn Féin agenda. Michael Gove advocated a military solution against the IRA, felt that there was appeasement involved in releasing all the paramilitary prisoners from jail, and wrote or contributed to uh, an extensive 58-page Centre for Policy Studies booklet uh, call the price of peace in Northern Ireland, in which was very critical. Now, remember, this is a time where the Good Friday Agreement was one of the very few things that was attracting bipartisan political consensus. You could barely get a fig leaf between the, the between Tony Blair's Labour administration and the opposition Conservatives at the time on the Good Friday Agreement. Normal politics was suspended because everyone was hailing the peace deal. The only people who were against it were a few right-wing Conservatives, people like Michael Gove, and of course the DUP, which. Uh, still won't uh, say it supports the, the Good Friday Agreement and opposed it until the St. Andrews Agreement in 2006 came along and, um, and Sinn Féin agreed to support the police service of Northern Ireland. So, yeah, Michael Gove, uh, Michael Gove also, it should be said, is very, very keen always to stress his unionist credentials. Um, he's got uh, Scottish blood in his family. He likes to stress his commitment to the union, even more so, perhaps, than, than Boris Johnson. Um, would drug-taking count against Michael Gove, yeah, I think it would be looked on with, with disapproval within the DUP, but remember the DUP 
uh, allowed Boris Johnson to speak at their conference, in effect launch his Conservative Party leadership campaign uh, at the back end of last year. And Boris Johnson's moral rectitude, if you want to call it that, in terms of his complicated personal life, uh, has been laid bare lots of times. So I, I don't think the DUP get on their moral high horse about Conservative politicians. The DUP would argue, publicly at least, that the next leader of the Conservative Party is a matter for the Conservative Party and not for the DUP. Well, in the running at the minute, we have Boris Johnson, Michael Gove, Esther McVeigh, Jeremy Hunt, Dominic Rav, Sajid Javid, Matt Hancock, Rory Stewart, uh, Sam Gima, Andrea Leadsom, and Mark Hop- Harper. Mark Harper is the chief, the chief whip. Uh, the, the guy who seems to get a lot of commentary as being a pretty reasonable bloke, I've read a great article where he'd be a pretty reasonable bloke to anyone who isn't a conservative, is uh, Rory, Rory Stewart. Where, where did he come from, this International Development Secretary, who is incredibly articulate on, on, on television but doesn't actually sound like a Tory? Yeah, Rory Stewart's got an uh, extraordinary hinterland. He's done lots and lots of things in his life, and he did them before becoming a politician, you know, trekked all over mountains in in Nepal. Um, He's got a remarkable uh, backstory. Politically, he almost rose without trace, I agree. I think that he, you know, he did come from, from nowhere. I think, I mean, Rory Stewart's already articulating lots of ideas. I mean, first of all, he's the one who was most loyal to Theresa May and the withdrawal agreement, and he recognises the sensitivity of the border on the Island of Ireland. Rory Stewart would be the most pro-backstop person amongst all those candidates that you've listed. Uh, For that reason, Rory Stewart would not be an acceptable Conservative leader uh, to the DUP because the DUP, as we know, load the backstop. But Rory Stewart rules out no deal, would countenance a backstop to manage the, 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 the problem, is the most moderate candidate probably in the whole contest. Some of his ideas beyond Brexit that have come up with uh, have not been properly thought through. For example, at at the weekend, he called for national citizen service for every youth uh, in the country. Um, To do that, you'd need the permission of the the Scottish uh, executive or government, I should say, the the Welsh government, uh, and indeed a Northern Ireland executive should one be be in place. And there's potential sensitivities about national citizen service and and what it would entail, uh, obviously, in Northern Ireland. So I don't think, I think he's forgotten that devolution has taken place in the UK over the last two decades. You can't, when you say you're going to introduce it for all the country, what do you mean by the country? So I think some of his policies are underdeveloped. He's been very savvy in terms of social media. Those self-shot videos he's been posting on social media have attracted a lot of attention so he's in with a chance the big problem that Rory Stewart has is what happens if he make if he survives the rounds of voting amongst MPs and it goes out to the members would a overtly pro remain in the EU candidate could he swing it with the members and it's difficult to see how those 160,000 members the bulk of whom are pro-Brexit it's difficult to see them voting for someone who would be quite happy if the referendum result of 2016 uh, was overturned or would have us in a deal which sails very close to the European Union. So therein lies the problem for Rory Stewart. But he's certainly making waves in his campaign, I agree. Just a couple of notes on the other campaigns you you mentioned. Uh, Sam Guimer has no chance. Uh, He's advocating a second referendum. That doesn't play well with the parliamentary party. Uh, so he's not going to get enough votes, and it would play disastrously with the membership who don't want a, a second referendum. And Mark Harper simply doesn't have the um, the visibility to, um, to to get the support of, of many MPs. So you can rule those two out. Um, I wouldn't necessarily rule out any of the other candidates quite at this stage, although Esther McVeigh's odds of 100 to 1 probably 
are an accurate reflection of her chances. And Boris playing the tax card, that will go down well with richer Tories. It will. It's, it's, it's a brave move from, from Boris Johnson, though, because he's, he's talking about tax cuts for the higher earners, talking about reducing the, the high rate of tax down to, to 40 pence, and that would immediately put a £1,000 more in the pocket of some people, of people who, some would argue, need it need at least anyone over £60,000 a year would be a a £1,000 better off. Um, Against that, you've got on the other side, you know, people at Estimate Vey saying it's it's wrong that working class people uh, are paying tax and and she would take them out of tax virtually full stop. So, uh, you know, differences of emphasis, Boris Johnson would would come under, I think he'll come under a lot of pressure over that tax pledge. The same way Dominic Raab came under pressure straight away by saying he would immediately cut the basic rate of tax by 5p in the pound and that enraged the Chancellor Philip Hammond who said the last thing we need in a Conservative Party leadership contest which is a contest to be the next Prime Minister is unfunded tax cut pledges because these things are simply not sustainable once you're in office so beware any candidate who's pledging tax cuts immediately because they're going to come under a lot of questions about the mathematics of that once we have the radio and TV debates uh, that, that are looming for the contenders. Of course not the contenders Contenders are not obliged to take part, I should say, in those debates. Boris Johnson has been less than clear that he would take part in those debates. And frankly, a Conservative Party leadership debate without the odds-on favourite, would there be much point in it? It's a good question. One final point to you, John. What sort of shopping list would the DUP be drawing up now in terms of confidence and supply to get us, and I say us, all of us, as much as possible out of a Tory government that will depend on the DUP? Cash talks, the first item on the DUP's agenda, and remember that the, the, the deal was always with the Conservative government. The DUP always made this clear. It was never with Theresa May specifically, so a change of leader doesn't particularly bother the DUP. But the DUP, it was, it was Nigel Dodds, I remember hearing him say this at the Conservative Party conference at the DUP reception in Manchester a year or two ago. He said, look, make no mistake, this is a five-year deal. Um, so the DUP have had two years of cash, but they want more, they'll want more of cash for Northern Ireland. The DUP will make sure it's on a cross-community basis, so they can't be accused of you know, engaging in sectarian cash for, 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 for unionist areas. They'll make sure it's cross-community cash, you know, more money for broadband, more money for the NHS uh, in Northern Ireland. Obviously, you know, there's the issue of who's going to spend that money, given there's not a devolved um, executive, so how it will be, be spent and allocated will be tricky, given the, the absence of Stormont, which might, may not come back until next year at the, the earliest, potentially. Um, but that really is the DUP's uh, um, shopping list. You know, the DUP, they're not short of items. In the 2015 election, which David Cameron won, the DUP had a 49-point wish list of items they wanted for Northern Ireland because they were expecting a hung parliament then. It didn't come to pass. But they reacted, reenacted that list or re-energised that list in 2017, and not everything has been fulfilled yet on that list. I mean... The more controversial areas are whether the DUP would, would push legacy issues, and, and they've, they've, they made clear in the 2017 confidence supply deal that they felt that the, there was too much attention upon the actions of British forces in Northern Ireland during the Troubles, um, and they did put that into the statement uh, of the, the confidence and supply deal in 2017. Whether they put, pushed that issue more, uh, it's a possibility, although I noticed Geoffrey Donaldson has tended to distance himself slightly from what... People like Johnny Mercer, the Conservative MP, have said uh, where they are taking a really hard line against the government uh, on on the further prosecutions of British soldiers uh, in Northern Ireland. So I think it's all about the cash for the, for the DUP. It's all about the cash, and it's also obviously 
about getting rid of the backstop. For the DUP, that's non-negotiable. The problem for the DUP and whoever is the next Conservative leader is there's no sign of any movement from Brussels on the backstop. Okay? I mean, the, the more limited proposals of some of the contenders simply want a time limit on the backstop. But even that is not, is, is not forthcoming. Yes, you can get changes to the political declaration, but the formal withdrawal agreement We've heard time and time again from Brussels, that's not up for renegotiation. We'll see, but if I was the next leader, I wouldn't be optimistic of managing to unpick that deal, which, remember, has been signed off across all the EU member states. It is complex, there's no question about it. John, great speaking to you. Thank you very much indeed. Uh, John Tong commenting on the countdown to the next or the naming of the next Tory leader and therefore the naming of the next uh, Prime Minister. It'll take a little while yet. It's step by step. It's step by step. But uh, we'll be a step further by the end of today.